Oh, what a gorgeous song. 12 minutes past seven, that's the artist Ben Harper and the track Jar Work. And that's our very first Big Fat Juicy of the morning. It's the JSB Cruise Choice. And on the crew today, you've just heard Anne on news. We've got Dreadlock Patrick on decks. We've got Zai on sports and on production. And we've got Ndosh on the big bus duty. And our theme today for your Big Fat Juicies is jar work. So, taking those lyrics from Ben Harper, why would you even shake a man's hand if you're not going to help him stand? And we're asking you, the work of jar, the beauty of jar, as Patrick says, for him, he looks back and he looks at uh, the beauty of his life, the successes of his life that he feels have been brought to him by his God. So when we say jar, what does it mean? Who is your God? Creativity, Reggae for some people, Lucky Dube, Bob Marley. But uh, you can put your hand up and send us your song via SMS, WhatsApp. You can also do it on Twitter, on social media, at SAFM Radio, hashtag JSB, SAFM JSB. Or at Mish Constant is also a good one as well. We're going to kick off with a story which is extraordinary. He's a man who... uh, did a little bit of pool cleaning in order to make extra money, and he has now obtained a PhD. Mervyn Kotsia graduates uh, on Wednesday from the University of the Western Cape, and he said it will be a celebration of the Kutsia family's resilience in so many different ways. Mervyn, thank you so much for joining us. Good morning, Michelle Constant. Thank you for inviting me. <laughs> it's an absolute pleasure. You know, Mervyn, there's such great work coming from the University of the Western Cape. Every day I feel like we're following another story. Um, I I chat to Pramesh Lalu from the Western Cape University, and and so well done. You guys are doing incredible work. Thank you for that. Um, Mervyn, you know, you, you... as, as your, your storyline goes, you, you worked as a casual cleaner at the Seapoint Pavilion to bring in extra money. Your sisters left school to work in factories. But I understand that when you were at school, you were like, no, I don't even know if I want to finish school properly. Well, it was a, a combination of many things. You know, we grew up in the 80s when the township of Point Ever looked like a war zone. Yeah. And I actually remember the, the names of these military vehicles very clearly, the Spinnakopper, the Rattles, the Caspers. The Caspers, yeah. Um, so throw that into the mix of a teenager who was throwing stones and, would, uh, you know, I didn't have a father to come alongside me and to encourage me. Yeah. I remember being in the library of Montevall uh, near the Civic Center. And the next thing, these uh, tear gas canisters come flying through and exploding. Yeah. And us running for our lives. You know, so it was uh, very, very difficult to even think about what the next day would look like. Yeah. Yeah. So, 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 Mervyn, when you look at that, what was it, do you think, that acted as a point of shift for you? Like, that you actually said, you know what, I could either go out and I can just... Uh, forget about my schooling right now or I can finish this and get this right? Um, Gosh, I I can't pinpoint it to anything that I think um, I own. I think it was more the the fact that um, uh, the injustices that I saw affecting my my siblings. Um, I saw them going to work early in the morning to the factories in Kipping and I thought to myself, 
there must be something else here, and I'm not going to allow myself, yeah. you know, to 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 get sucked into this uh, mold of, you know, you have to leave school early. I, I, I somehow just felt there was a drive inside me that would push beyond that. I guess. So. Fast forward to the fact that you've now got your PhD and you did a fascinating PhD because I think it talks to a lot of your own experience, your own past, as you've described it in many ways. You um, you did your PhD focusing on the insecurities, the fears um, of young people. Talk to us about that. Well, one of the first uh, things that I'd like to speak about is my own personal insecurity and uh, the fact that I was born with four thumbs, you know, two on each hand and being made fun of as a child right into my teens and sometimes even into my adulthood. Um, this had a, uh, quite a significant impact on me and over the years as I outgrew the insecurity, I realized that there are other things uh, that people have uh, are insecure about. Yeah. In fact, I remember sitting in a conference um uh, which I presented a paper for. Um, these are very highly uh, um, decorated academics, and I, I just felt the need to say I think we all have at least one inse- uh, thing that we are insecure about. Huh. And, Me um, <laughs> yes, and, and, and then, you know, the, the question came to mind, which I anticipated when in the minds of the academics. I said, well, where's your data? And I said, I'm looking at them. <laughs> and, and, That's excellent. And, you know, and, and I just thought um, this is something that, um, I would like to explore and write mm. about, and so the, this was the the beginning stages of the of the of the study. And uh, during the time um, that I was teaching, um, in in fact, in in the first few weeks of the classes, I would ask um, you know simple questions like where are you from? Let let let's talk about who who lives the furthest away from the campus and so on. And it was the the reticence that jarred me, that engaged me. I wanted to understand. Apart from the fact that, you know, students are uh, intimidated their first year, it's university, a place for clever people, you know, all of those thoughts go through your mind as a first year student. But there was something deeper. And um, uh, as my study explores, it it had a lot to do with the fact that students are not necessarily fluent in English, and this uh, causes them to hold back. Um, So, yeah, in essence, that that is what started the, the project. So, you know, Mervyn, um, listening to you talk and listening to what, your, your, what, what you focused on, I mean, in many ways, you are able to use your own experience. And when you work with young students, do you talk about your own experiences? I mean, the story, you t- I mean, I, I can't even imagine actually what four thumbs looks like. And, and it, it's, I'm looking at my own hands all wrinkly mm. and horrible and I'm like so you see talk about insecurities um, but and I'm trying to imagine that but then I'm also thinking as you say it's like you you're a young student and sometimes it feels like other things are much easier than being a student how do you how do you engage with young people around that uh, you know that is a very critical question uh, Michelle and, and what I do in the first few weeks of every semester that I've been on the stage, is what I call it, is um, I try to get them to see the real me. Mm. And then I try to turn it around and I want to see the real them. Yes. You know, so, so that they understand 
Um, in fact, one of the foundations of the study is egalitarian thinking. You know, to break those barriers of receptivity and uh, participation, uh, things like, you know, like I said earlier, the, the lack of fluency. Um, people are intimidated because of their accents or the way they pronounce yeah. certain things. Um, people are self-conscious of where they come from. You know, the stigma of being a rural uh, a dweller, a township dweller, and those, you know, all of those barriers. In fact, I asked them a question. Where do you think I'm from? You know, I've heard all kinds of answers. Yeah, you're from Johannesburg, you're from America. <laughs> um, and then I write on the board, I'm from Bontieville, and you can hear sort of a gasp. Yeah. And then I walk him through, you know, the, the issues of being, uh, actually celebrating where you're coming from and, and, and owning that. Yeah. Owning who you are. Correct. Yes. So, okay, Mervyn, you're now the PhD, Dr. Mervyn Kutsia. Where to from here? Um, as we are speaking, I'm busy with two projects. Yeah. Uh, one um, with my supervisor is to um, work on the study and, and uh, you know, channel it for a bigger um, academic leadership. Yeah. And I'm also writing my memoirs. I've been working on this for six years now, but I yeah. think it should be done within the next few months. So I'll uh, find a publisher. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, Mervyn, your uh, mother, of course, must be celebrating. She, she is elderly. Mm. And for her, this must be a big thing. I mean, as you say, this is part of a celebration of your family's resilience. Absolutely. You know, we had a, a big celebration uh, last Saturday. And so my mom, being the guest of honor and the keynote speaker, she, she said she would not be able to do it. So she, what she did was she dictated her speech to um, our younger sister, yeah. Joanne. And, um, you know, it was very, very moving. She's still very sharp, at, even at 80, you know. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it, it was a, a, a massive celebration for our family. And even all the other cousins were, were phoning in and, you know, sending messages of celebration. Because um, we all understand the hardships that we had endured. And, and I uh, pay homage to all of my siblings who've made the sacrifices and who stood by me. And, you know, we're still together. Yeah. Even though we lost our dad at a very young age. I want to close off with, with something you've been quoted as saying, is I want to go on and share with the world the power of saying yes. You know, I, I want to write a book specifically on that. The power of, in fact, I want, uh, the title will be The Power of Yes. Um, and another facet that I didn't share much in the media is that I lived in the United States for 16 years. Yeah. And that you'll have to, you know, catch up in the, in the in the book. And I've learned so much about life and about the power of helping people, the power of saying yes instead of no. Say mm. no is one of the simplest things. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but when you realize, in, in fact, so many people have said yes to me when they could have said no or, or they could have just ignored me or, or sort of ushered me along to someone else. So I'm a very firm believer in being solution-driven and finding solutions. I always believe there's, there's always another or a better way. So in a nutshell, I am empowered, empowered to say yes. Well, we want to be empowered by that as well. 
Mervyn, uh, our theme today for our song choices is um, jar work, and uh, we're looking at the lyrics of the artist Ben Harper, who sings, and this is exactly it, uh, why would you even shake a man's hand if you're not going to help him stand? So I want to know from you, when I say the two words, jar work, what do they mean for you? Uh, please would you repeat that, uh, Michelle? When I say the two words, jar work, what do they mean for you? Jar work? Yes. It is to embrace everyone, you know, in, in, uh, regardless of our differences, regardless of our, um, you know, our little quirks that we have. Uh, we have been so divided, and I am passionate about uniting about breaking the barriers, so that's that's what jar work needs to be is to is to find the means within us to unite and to stand together. Dr. Mervyn Kutzia, thank you so much for joining us. Fascinating work that you're doing, and we think it will make a huge difference to young students and scholars all around the country. Thank you so much. Thanks very much, and you're very welcome, Michelle Constant.